0: We continue today our series um, of Jesus is for Everyone. A a kind of whistle-stop tour, if you will, of the Gospel of Luke. And today we are turning to that of um, Palm Sunday. As I alluded to earlier uh, in the service, uh, Palm Sunday is this kind of simple celebration that that marks the beginning of Holy Week for us now. But it marks the beginning of the end, in one sense, for the life of Jesus as his disciples knew it. Um, Yet they did not know that it marked the beginning of the end. There's so much that we maybe sometimes take for granted because of our 21st century eyes. We just take for granted because maybe we've been Christians for a while or we've heard the stories in school or in Bible school, whatever it may have been. I think sometimes we forget the importance and the preciousness of each of these moments that we see in Scripture. And so today we continue uh, that series and we're going to start by uh, diving straight into Scripture today. We're going to dive into Luke chapter nineteen, um, verses twenty-eight through forty, which is the the, the Lucan account, the account in Luke of the uh, triumphant entry, the triumphal entry uh, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And so, starting at verse twenty-eight of chapter nineteen in Luke, it says this: After Jesus had said this, pause. What's this you may be talking about? Well, he had just shared a parable uh, with those around, uh, and it was the parable of, of uh, the 10 minds or 10 tenants, depending on which translation you need to read and that kind of stuff. But he was just finished giving a, tra- a, a parable, a teaching on gifts, uh, and a few uh, re- passages before that we read about um, Zacchaeus as well up the tree. So he's kind of been doing a lot of teaching, um, hanging out with the tax collectors, hanging out with those who are maybe considered less than in society. And after Jesus had said this, He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter, you will find a a, a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners asked him, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the crowd and of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is a king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, If they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. And that brings the reading to an end. Amen. What a reading. But what a strange way to respond to the Pharisees. It's a real strange moment. One of those things that you kind of go, what is going on? And I guess the first thing I want to bring to our attention is that we see Jesus attracting large crowds of all sorts of people. Now, that's not necessarily news to us. We should be used to that. Whether we're new to faith, whether we're new to, to unpacking scripture, we, one of the things that Jesus is known for is attracting crowds of all sorts. But let's just have, kind of cast our minds to this series so far. We've talked about the misfits, you know, those who, who don't quite belong in any one group, including that of tax collectors and the, the, the political types, They're the overly angry, overly energetic, overly passionate, the fishermen, even among them the crooks. <laughs> We see that Jesus um, hangs out and draws crowds of the least, the lost, the last, to include parents and and widowed and and sinners across the board. We see the crowds include that of women. Jesus drew women to him and spoke to them and treated them as equals. And Jesus spoke and drew crowds of children and young people. We see that Jesus attracts this crowd and this crowd is generally filled with all sorts of people. It's in one sense that The the desire and dream for every church to be filled with all sorts of people, all backgrounds. The crowds were bigger than ever as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. And they were coming there for for celebrations, for these big feast celebrations. And so all the Israelites would gather, this was part of their traditions. They were coming to Jerusalem to celebrate together. And as everyone is coming, Jesus is welcomed As king. By this point in Jesus' ministry, he is well known. This is towards the end of his three years of ministry. And he is well known. His name goes before him. He is famous among the Jews. People knew who he was. And they also knew what he stood for. They knew the change that he was bringing. People weren't just seeing him as a teacher, though. They were seeing him as the next king because we see that Jesus is welcomed as king. Now that might be a simple statement for us nowadays, especially if we have a faith. We talk about Jesus as our king of kings and we go, of course he was welcomed as king. But again, placing it into context of what's going on there. The fact that Jesus is not of this crazy big importance uh, of, of heritage or, or anything like that, he doesn't have loads of money. He's not sitting on crowns uh, with, with jewels and all these other things. He is in a place among the Israelites. They are occupied by Rome. The Romans are in control, and even among the Jews, others had powers, not Jesus. The Pharisees and Sadducees and other teachers were held up high, esteemed as wise people. Those who would they would look to for all matters of spirituality and faith. And we see that Jesus is welcomed as king. And we see this parallel um, from, with King Jehu and, and two kings as people lay their cloaks before him. And we see them laid out in front of him, which I think is a, a weird thing anyway, right? Like it's, it's this thing where why would you put your own cloak on the ground unless you think it's for somebody really massively valuable and important. And this crowd gathers and they do that. They line the road with their cloaks. And they were waving palm leaves and all sorts of different things, shouting in joy and excitement that Jesus is there. In verse 37, when he came near the place where the Lord goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples, I love that because it's not just his crowd of people, that like his own little 12 disciples, the crowd of disciples, those who are all called to follow Jesus, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices For all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. We see that there is joy and praising that is happening. Now I can promise you that in that crowd of people. There were all sorts of things happening. There were still people who needed healing. There were still people who were poor. There were still people who were stuck in addictions and sin. There were still people who were considered the lowest of the low. But they were praising God. Throughout their circumstances. they were praising and going, wow, look at this king. And they didn't, even, they didn't even fully know or understand that Jesus was the ultimate Messiah who would take the cross for them. He didn't, they didn't understand that. We see that scripture clearly teaches that. They didn't get it. And they were all shouting, Hosanna. We see from other accounts, not just the Lucan one, but other accounts that the crowd was shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I've said in past years, that word we sing on a regular basis, but literally translates from the original language to save me save me, like they were shouting to Jesus, save me. There was an acknowledgement that they needed saving. There was an acknowledgement that that life was so messed up, that the world that they were living was so broken, that they were so broken that they needed saving. And the truth is that they needed saving beyond even what they thought, because they thought of it just in the practical from, from Rome from the the, the afflictions that they were facing there. Some of them knew that they needed saving from their own personal torment and afflictions that were going on. But they recognized the fact that they needed to be saved. There's an acknowledgement for that. There's an acknowledgement for the new king and how they welcome him. But then we also see that some still stand against Jesus, shall we say, the Pharisees. In verse 39, we see some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. We see still Pharisees just not getting it. We still see that that they're not understanding really who Jesus is. And we see that Jesus' response is is one that really, truly elevates himself. (laughs) Because He essentially says, hey, if they're not going to worship and praise and welcome me as king, the stones will. Like that which is created, which God alone could do, that will praise me and they will cry out. Imagine being told that as a Pharisee, as a person who is considered a wise leader, as a person who is considered a spiritual director for so many. We see Clearly that they just don't get it. But I find this really interesting that, that in Luke, Luke chooses to share with us that moment of opposition amidst all the celebration. I find it interesting that we see that simple one line of opposition stand in the midst of all of that. Now, oftentimes when we think of, of the Pharisees, we think of those who are in opposition to Jesus And we we think that that Jesus is in opposition to them. We kind of almost put them face to face. But the question that I guess I pose is, was Jesus really against the Pharisees? Well, the truth is, I, I don't think so. I actually believe that in Scripture, we see that Jesus welcomes the Pharisees. Jesus came even for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus welcomes even those that oppose him. Now pause. Some of you might be thinking, well, hold on a second. Who are the Pharisees? Who are the Sadducees? I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. Break it down. Really simply, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were religious leaders at the time. They were the ones that essentially gave people access to God. They were the ones that that were considered the ones that you would come to to pray, you would come to to give sacrifices to God. They were the ones that God had chosen to speak His word to others at the time. Difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee, they believed the same thing except for had a slightly different interpretation of, I guess, the eternal, of afterlife. The way I was always taught to remember it was the Sadducees did not believe in an eternal life and therefore they were sad, you see. It's cheesy, but it works. <laughs> but these were people who were wise, who were held up, in, uh, held to account, but, but who were considered important within the Jewish community. Now you might be thinking, as I say that Jesus didn't come to oppose them. Well, hold on a second. We, we see plenty of the, his teachings stand in opposition to that of what the Pharisees were teaching, what the Sadducees were teaching. How was how he for them, Adrian? Unpack that for me. I don't understand. Surely Jesus came to oppose them. But I'd say that no, not entirely. I mean, yes, Jesus came to bring salvation to all, and and he came to bring change and reform. And a lot of that change and reform had to come from what was happening from the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Yes, he came to change and reform that which was being taught and all those things. But I think Jesus' message is simple and clear. No one's got it right, other than him. And, And in him, all can gain access to the Father, all can gain salvation, redemption, righteousness, holiness, In Jesus. We spent the series thus far again sharing about how Jesus came for the least expected, the the outcast, the poor, the the widow, the misfits, and so on. But the Pharisees themselves also stood out and spoke against Jesus. They accused Jesus of, of, of hanging out with the sinners, with the prostitutes, with the drunks, with unclean people. But the truth is, we also see Jesus hang out with the Pharisees. Because Jesus eats with them. He teaches them and he spends time with them. These aren't scenes that automatically come to mind when we think of Pharisees. When I say the word Pharisee, the last thing you think of is Jesus having a great meal with them. (laughs) When you think of Pharisee, if you're anything like me anyway, we think of Pharisee or Sadducee and we think of the person standing up. I almost have a picture of Jesus teaching this massive crowd and the Pharisees and Sadducees over there and him going, this is what you should believe unlike what they're teaching you. (laughs) Not really. Jesus is not evil, of course, but that moment of like he's got this division. The crowd is almost forced to choose between Jesus and the Pharisees. But through scripture we see, we see. Now, that caricature of Jesus fighting against the Pharisees is not truth. The truth is he's befriended some Pharisees. So much so that, we're even, that some of them even warned them of, of, of death threats. In Luke 13, 31, at the very hour, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. There was, there was such relationship with Jesus that they fought and they warned him so that he would not be Killed. If they were in opposition of Jesus only, and if Jesus stood in opposition of them only, and there was this constant fighting, surely they would have said, Herod's coming, let him go. Whew, one less problem. Herod will handle Jesus, we're sorted, but they don't. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisees' house and he reclined at the table. We read this in Luke 7, verse 36. He's invited to eat. Now, don't get me wrong, we also see in those same accounts that Jesus challenges their perspectives on everything, on sin, on forgiveness, on cleanliness, on, 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 on social interaction, but we see that Jesus comes and eats with them and meets with them and teaches them. In Luke eleven thirty seven, 37, while Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went and he reclined at the table. In Luke 14, verse 1, one Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, They were watching him carefully. Don't get me wrong. Some of the Pharisees were looking to say, hold on a second, and they wanted to to get him stopped and shut him up. And they may have been against Jesus, but Jesus doesn't come to fight against them. He doesn't come... To bring division. We see even more so in John 3, which is where we have one of the most famous scripture verses ever, John 3:16. That whole interaction of for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that interaction that whoever believed in him would not die but have eternal life, that interaction is said to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And even he, Nicodemus, comes. At night, worried about what other Pharisees may think of him, but he comes to say, Hey, I believe that you are sent from God. Not at all was he against the Pharisees. He was come to bring, he came to bring reform, he came to bring change. And we see again, I, I wonder what. How, how, what, what it says to us, perhaps, that one of the greatest teachings, the greatest verses known worldwide by Christian and non-alike, atheists know this verse. John 3.16 was shared and spoken to that of a Pharisee. And a Pharisee who came saying, I believe that you are from God. We see that Jesus comes for all, even those that we in our heads have said are the enemy Jesus says, hey, I wanna come and I want you to love your enemy and I'm gonna dine with them and I'm gonna, those who are saying that they are my enemy, that oppose me, hey, they will. And, and ultimately, there's a whole journey as we will see throughout that of Holy Week where the Pharisees have a lot to answer for as do the rest of the Jews, as do we as humanity. Why did Jesus spend so much time with them? Why did he, if he was against them Preaching a different message than them, why did he spend the time with them? Well, because Jesus didn't come to create this us versus them divide, rather to unite under one kingship. Jesus came to unite. There's there's an interaction between the Pharisees and Jesus in Luke that we actually spoke about earlier um, in in the series, where Jesus turns to them and says, hey, I've, I've not come... For the righteous, for the clean, I've come for the unclean. But in that moment, you could read what is said. He's actually, there's an inference that he's calling the Sadducees, or at least some of them, at least the ones he's interacting with in that moment, righteous. And if they're righteous, then they stand righteous before the Lord, then actually there's, there's a sense of God's got them. He came to unite, he came to bring unity between those were divided and he came to do it under one king him because he is king he did not send the disciples out to 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 attack the pharisees he didn't send the the disciples out to attack rome for that matter he did not send them out to to preach out against people in fact he said he go go give the good news that good news the gospel message That God is for everyone. God sent me that whoever would believe in me and that in him we have salvation and in him we have forgiveness and in him we have cleansing. And don't get me wrong, there will have been Pharisees and others, even today, who will stand against that message and say, nope, don't need saving. And in that crowd of people, we see there were people crying out, save me, save me, save me, save me, save me. And in that crowd of people, we see the Pharisees are going, hold on, rebuke them. So we see people that don't get it. But Jesus wasn't against them. Jesus came for them. Jesus came, yes, to correct, yes, to challenge, but he did it over a meal. He did it out of relationship. <laughs> he did it as king. And I love that on this Palm Sunday, we can, we can think of that crowd shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna praying, crying out, save me, that almost sense of prayer. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I often pray that, oh, save me from this moment, Lord. Don't always use those words, but the, the intent, the, the, the feeling behind it, is, oh, just pull me out of this, please. But there's also a shouting in joy of celebration that Jesus is the king, that they've accepted this guy, this Jesus, this teacher, this, 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 this rabbi who's come the least, the last, the last, the misfits, the children, the women. He's even come for the Pharisees. He's come for the addicted. He's come for the broken. He's come for the smart. He's come for the wise. He's also come for those who struggle with the books. He's come for everyone. And we see that in the midst, and I love that, in the midst of this celebration of Jesus entering to Jerusalem, we see this negativity this attack perhaps to him and he doesn't ignore it or he doesn't shut them up. He doesn't send some disciples, hey, can you go quiet these guys out? They're ruining my entrance over here. <laughs> he engages with them and uses it as a moment to say, hey, listen, even if they, were, if they weren't they were crying out, let me, let me just put into perspective for you who I am. You know, I don't get it yet, okay, but even the stones would cry out because God's Will is being done. That is powerful and amazing. We have to recognize that in that moment, Jesus' words to the Pharisees are not of condemnation or of rebuking, but they're saying, hey, this is bigger than you. This moment is bigger than you. It's bigger than just this crowd welcoming me. It's bigger than what you're trying to tell me to rebuke them for. This is greater than this moment. This is eternal. This is universal. This is God's kingdom coming, his prophecies being fulfilled. This is salvation for all in Jesus that is coming. And I can say that you can see that now looking back, they probably didn't, most did not. If there was one or two we don't know of them <laughs> that really got it. They didn't get it. But Jesus did not come against them in that sense. Jesus is for everyone. And yes, Jesus will again demand in us change. He will demand in us uh, his spirit to, to, to change us. We have to we have to submit to him. That is what we see in scripture, that is part of what we see, we have to humbly come before him. All of us can come. And I, 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 and I don't want you to mishear me to say that, that Jesus didn't come to reform some of the, Pharise- the pharisaical teachings. Of course he did. He didn't want the legalism and, and he spoke out against the legalism, but he didn't come against the person. He came against the false teaching. He came against the, the, the culture that had been created that was wrong. But those Pharisees who turned to him and said, you know what? I get it. He said, great, come on. He came for the Pharisees. He came for the wise, for those who had status as well. We see other encounters where he came for the rich. There isn't one that Jesus misses out. The criminal, the broken, the hurt, the smart, the leader. He comes for them all. What Jesus was preaching was for them as well. He was welcoming them in. It was an expansion of what the Pharisees were holding on to. was saying, hey, you've got a piece of this righteousness. You've got a piece of this holiness, but there's so much more. And it's more than just what you're saying. It's for more than who you're just saying it's for. Let me express that to you. Let me explain that to you. Let me bring that to fruition in my life and in my death and in my resurrection. And that is what is yet to come. And Jesus comes clearly sharing who he is for all. And I don't know about you, but I find that going, wow, wow. Because for so long in my life, did I think Jesus came to fight against the Pharisees to put them in their place. But it wasn't an us versus them mentality that he created. It wasn't about that division. He shared the gospel, he brought the good news. It was about literally welcoming anyone who wanted to be welcomed in. And as with all people that Jesus comes for, Pharisee, misfit, the choice is up to them. The choice is up to me, it's up to you. Regardless of what position, label you have on yourself, wherever you identify yourself in, whatever that may be, Jesus has come for you. But he won't force himself on you. You have to choose. You have to desire. And you have to say, okay, I will step into relationship, Jesus. Okay, pour out your spirit and transform me. Okay, I will commit my life to daily be transformed by you. Okay, I will lay down the rubbish. I'm going to deal with my sin. And hey, that's going to be a long journey, lifelong. But I'm in it. I'm for it. Let's go. But you have to choose. Same way the Pharisees had to choose. Because we see that on the road to the cross, we see that Jesus is for everyone. We see clearly that Jesus came for every single one of us. And on this Palm Sunday celebration, I want to encourage you to to, to really cry out to him. I want to encourage you to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to shout Hosanna because I need saving. I want to encourage you to identify the things that you need saving from because the reality is, is that unless you are Jesus himself, you need saving from something. There's something that we have missed. There's something that we're not right in. And so Lord, we say, save me, Lord. And on this Palm Sunday, I want to encourage you to cry out with joy. To recognize that, that he came to free you from all those things. That he came not just for you, but for the Pharisee, for the misfit, for all those around you. And maybe you identify with more than one. Maybe there's a bit of Pharisee in you. Maybe there's a bit of misfit in you. Maybe there is a bit of, 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 of broken, addicted person in you. And Jesus is saying, hey, I'm for you. I came for you. You don't have to be a slave to those things anymore. You don't have to be broken by those things anymore. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be allowing the enemy to attack. You don't have to fall to those things. You can choose to follow Jesus and shout Hosanna. Joy, joy and excitement and just crying out to Him. But the choice is yours. So let me ask you this. Do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to give all that you've got today? Some of you are watching this going, hey, you know what? I'm already a Christian. I've already given my life. I'm already, yeah, but you know what? There's always more. What aspect in you is Jesus saying, hey, we need to work on that, but I came for that part of you as well. I came for the Pharisee in you. I came for the misfit in you. I came... What part of you is God saying, hey, we need to address that, but I'm, I'm here for it. Just let me do what I do best. Some of you will be watching this going, ah, not really fully there. I kind of sort of believe. Well, what's stopping you? Because you know what? Jesus came for you. That you would not be a slave to anything that's held you back, that you would not be addicted or stuck, that you would be free. So let me ask you are you going to follow Jesus with all that you've got? Jesus came to unite. We talk about being a family. That's because we're adopted into the kingdom, because we're brought in. As we, as we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are brought in. We are co-heirs with Christ. But we also see that Jesus firmly prays for unity among us. And the reason he comes for unity is that it would be unity under our King, Jesus. That we would all bow to him. And that we would allow him to rule in our lives. Not just one aspect of our lives. <laughs> but all aspects of our lives. Do you want to let him be your king of kings? He won't make you. I won't make you. But I will celebrate with you. Every day that you make that decision to live more like him, to allow him to work in you, I'm going to celebrate with you. And you know what? So does Jesus. You know what? So do all the heavenlies. There is dancing and celebration when we are focusing on Jesus, when we are living out the life he's called us to live. When people come to faith for the first time, we read in scripture that there's a celebration. But I'd imagine that there's also a big celebration when we stay the course, when we stand strong, when we unite as the people he's called us to be. So will you follow Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. I thank you so much For the life of Jesus, I thank you for the celebration of welcome, of of, of crowning him king. Lord, I thank you for the acknowledgement of us needing saving, God. I, I pray with everything in me, Lord, that we would always be reminded of the fact that we will forever and always need you, Lord, to save us. Lord, I pray that whether we identify with the Pharisees, thinking that we've got it, whether we've been held up and be wise in our own self and our own knowledge and our own spirituality, whether we be the misfits, God, whether we be uh, women or young children who've been put down because of our, our gender or because of our age, whether we be sinners broken, addicted, Lord, whatever we identify with, wherever we place ourselves on this planet. Lord, I pray that we would know the truth, that by your Spirit you would reveal in us the truth that you sent Jesus for us. That you sent Jesus to unite us, to set us free, to bring salvation, to bring unity. But I pray that by your Spirit, Lord, you would bring us closer together. Lord, I pray that you would be working so much inside of us, God, that you would stir it up in us to share with others, God, that that we would be able to share your good news with other people, that others would be able to see what you've done in our lives and ask questions about you, that we could glorify you and praise you. Lord, I pray that we would be okay to say that, hey, we need saving. Would we let you save us, God? we humble ourselves and bow before you, our King of kings. May we allow you to take the throne. And may we, Lord, simply bow before you. We cry out for more of you, God, that by your Spirit you would change us and transform us. By your spirit, you would convict us, God, right now. That by your spirit, you would break us free from whatever is holding us back. We cry out, God, more of you and less of us. Hosanna, Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna.